Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Morning Meditations. I'm your host, Nate Cook. Thanks for tuning in this morning. We've created these morning meditations to be five to ten minute segments that will just help us to think about what God might have for us in this new day. So thanks for tuning in, and I hope to see you again soon. Hey, this is Pastor Nate, and this is your morning meditation for Wednesday, March the 13th. Today we're going to be in Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. There was once a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the East. His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days have run their course, Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that one of my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them, or the accuser. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him in his house? or a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now, touch all that he has, and he will curse you to his face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, all that he has is in your power, only do not stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking in the elder brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on the camels, and carried them off, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert, and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead." And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, 
shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. Well, this is a, a very famous story, and it does nothing to give us easy answers about life. It's, it's definitely a story that is important in, in the canon of Scripture. Um, it is a story that's one of the most well-written narratives in Scripture. I was just in a class last week, and we talked about uh, how, how well-written Ezekiel was. That was a book we were reading. But our professor said Job is probably by far like the most uh, well-written literary piece uh, in the Bible. And one of the things we have to understand that, that Job was written to serve a purpose. And this is a wisdom literature. So wisdom literature kind of helps us to get beyond like the easy answers. Because in life, there's not always just easy answers. So if you read Deuteronomy and what is also called, often called the Deuteronomic history, it's several books that are written kind of in the same vein as Deuteronomy. There's kind of this idea that gets thrown out that if you do what's right, you'll be blessed. And if you do what's wrong, you'll be cursed. Well, the obvious question becomes, well, what happens if you do what's right and you still seem to be cursed? And that's exactly what Job, the book, uh, kind of gets to, is here's this man who is the most righteous um, of the land, it says here. And, and Job is so righteous that when his sons and daughters, they go out and they celebrate their feast, he goes the next morning and offers burnt uh, the sacrifices and offerings to offer cleansing rituals for them just in case they sinned. Job is, is so concerned about doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And Job has been blessed greatly, and he's very wealthy. You can tell in the beginning of the text. But we have this kind of picture of the accuser, often called Satan, uh, who comes before God and says basically, well, Job is, of course he does what's right. You've given him everything, basically. And so... Um, if if that stuff is removed, then Job won't worship you, and Job will curse you and die, basically. And what we see here is that in an instant, literally like one after the other after the other in this story, uh, all of he loses everything. He loses cattle. He loses sons. He loses daughters. He loses uh, all kinds of of the things in his life that are, are the blessings of God, his material kind of wealth, and even his own children. And in the midst of it, the response that we see from Job is worship. Um, he tears his robe, he shaves his head, he falls on the ground, and he worships. And he comes with the statement, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, that's that's a tough statement, I know. Uh, for all of us listening, it sounds almost crazy. But here is uh, here's what I think we get to. And later on, Job will 
get to share his lament. Job will get to cry out to God. Later on in the book, uh, Job does speak up, and Job does plead his case, and Job does act, act like a lawyer almost against God at times. And then he really quickly realizes who God is. Uh, God kind of speaks back, and it all of a sudden it gets real serious in the book. But in this first instance, what we see is Job is a man who realizes what we talked about just a couple of days ago, that everything he has is from God, that he came with nothing and he's not going to leave with anything. And I, I think those of us here in North America, we American Christians, we, we could listen to this. Uh, when we are gone, our children, our grandchildren, whoever's we leave our things to, we'll keep a few things and then they'll give the rest a goodwill or sell it in a garage sale. We really come into the world with nothing and we can't take anything out. And this is what Job realizes. Everything he has is from God. And and when he returns dust to dust, ashes to ashes, as we say on Ash Wednesday, dust to dust, there will be nothing that goes with him. And so no matter what he loses or what he gains, he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Um there's there's definitely something that we can learn from there. Um, serving God is not about what we get. Sometimes in American culture we think, well, if we if we serve God, we'll always be healthy and maybe we'll have good wealth or fortune. And there are some some kind of teachings that almost kind of the prosperity gospel where people kind of say those things. But that doesn't seem to be scriptural. Um, Dan Boone says it this way. There's actually something satanic about serving God for what we can get. And so Job realizes um, that he's going to worship God because of who God is and not because of what God has given him. Um, What happens when we worship God for the things that we get is we make God into an idol. So our worship of God ultimately should be about who God is, not about what God gives us. Now we give thanks for those things and we're grateful and we praise the Lord for the times where God has delivered us and forgiven us and blessed us and and provided for us when maybe we didn't know how that was going to happen. But ultimately, we are called during this Lenten season to turn to God so that we can know God, so that we can have relationship with God, so that we can love God for who God is and not for anything that God has given us. See, God loved us before we even thought of God. God loved us while we were still God's enemies. And so our response to this God who has loved us so deeply is just to love God for who God is and not what God can give us. It's just a thought this morning.
So thanks again for listening today. Hey, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on Anchor or any of the other platforms. And go ahead and drop us a rating. I mean, if it helps Malcolm Gladwell out, it can surely help us out. Have a great day.